Luke chapter 5, have you ever asked yourself a three-letter question? Why? Have you ever asked yourself why? Okay, maybe uh, why am I doing this? Okay, what is the purpose? All different ways to ask the question why. Maybe you've asked yourself this question when you are making the kids lunches. Why am I doing this? Uh, I know that that is one area of our lives that we don't like to do is make kids lunches. And so often my wife will say, you get to make the kids lunches today. And I'll say, uh, no thanks. And I don't know, it takes literally three minutes. I don't know what it is, but we often ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Maybe you, you do meal prep and maybe you're thinking, why am I doing this? I know people that start on Sunday and they meal prep for their entire week. Blows my mind. Okay, maybe you like that. I don't know, but have you ever asked yourself why? Maybe you've asked yourself this question of why am I doing this or what is the purpose when you were shoveling snow on Monday? I got many a phone call, many a text that said, Pastor Yeomans, would you please quit praying for snow? <laughs> I can't help it. It just comes so naturally. I love snow. I enjoyed shoveling snow this week. Maybe you've asked yourself why when your alarm goes off in the morning and you have to get up for work. <laughs> why am I doing this? Right? Again, all different ways that we can ask why. Maybe you sit here this morning and you're asking yourself that question. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, maybe you're a regular attender of Bible Baptist Church and you're thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why? All questions all good questions and all one that I think need an answer to some extent. I'm not here to tell you why you should make your kids lunches, okay? That's not the point. But we do. We ask ourselves why all the time. And our story this morning causes us to ask that exact question. Why? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why am I doing this? There are two groups of people in this story. They are in, notice, they are in the exact same place. The exact same place. They are in the exact same place, but they are there for two different reasons. Exact same place, two different reasons. It's not even the fact that they were there. The reasons for being there caused them to act a certain way. Don't miss that. The reasons for being there caused them to act a certain way. So if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Purpose will inevitably determine action. Purpose will inevitably, eventually, determine how you act. Notice, don't miss this, okay? You can go to sleep after this, all right? Don't miss this, okay? Purpose will inevitably determine action. So let me ask you this morning, why are you here today? Why are you here? If you're here to just Fill in your time, then that will eventually cause an action. If you're here to fulfill and receive the Word of God, then that will eventually produce an action. Why are you here? Let's take a look into this story and see the two groups of people. I want you to see if you can pick them out. should be very easy. And see what their purposes were. Luke chapter 5, look with me in verse 17. The Bible says this, and it came to pass on a certain day as he, he is Jesus in this instance, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee 
and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18. Behold, men brought in a bed, in a, bed a man which was taken with a palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered and said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk. Which is easier? But that He may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, thy couch, excuse me, and go into thine house. And immediately... He rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Listen, this is an awesome story. Awesome story of people finding a way to have their friend healed. And Jesus heals them spiritually and heals him physically. Powerful, powerful story. An amazing story that is wonderful, but were you able to identify the two groups of people? Were you able to identify the two groups of people? The first group of people, if you will notice in verse 17, is the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. First group of people, Pharisees and the doctors of the law. What exactly were they doing? Did anybody catch what they were doing? Look at verse 17 again. There were Pharisees and doctors of the law, watch, sitting by. See that? They're sitting by. So number one, I want to give you the first group of people. This is my version, okay? This is the sideliners, okay? The sideliners, the people who are on the side just sitting by. They are on the outskirts of everything. They're just sitting by. Notice these were the experts of the law. They were the religious rulers, the religious leaders of the day. But I want you to notice a couple things with me found in verse 17. Okay, there were Pharisees, doctors of the law, sitting by watch, which were come out of every town of Galilee. Okay, so there's a lot of towns in Galilee, just for the record, and they come out of every town in Galilee, and they come to this place. We find out in other passages that this is a place, city known as Capernaum. This is Jesus' central ministry town. This is where he does most of his ministry. This is where his base is. And so he, they are here, come out of all the towns of Galilee, but not just Galilee and of Judea. And not just Judea, which is in the south, by the way, but from Jerusalem as well. So Capernaum is on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. And these people come from Galilee down to Capernaum. Other people come from the south, Judea, all the way up to Capernaum and from Jerusalem to Capernaum. This was no small trip. This was a long, arduous trip. They came to see Jesus. I want you to notice that. 
They came to see Jesus. Most of us would think that's a good thing, right? That's a wonderful thing. Wow, people are coming to see Jesus. People are coming to hear him teach. But here's the thing. We know from all kinds of other stories and passages of Scripture that these men were not there to learn from Jesus. Oh, they came to hear him teach, but not so that they could learn. They did not come so that they could understand what Jesus was saying. These men were here to catch Jesus in some sort of heretical teaching. They were there waiting upon every word just to tear it up. Just to catch him in some sort of bad teaching. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 15, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. So the Pharisees all get together. This is what they do. They get together and they're trying to figure out how they can entangle Jesus in his talk. So hear me, these men were sitting by. They were not active in the teaching. They were not actively receiving. They were there to judge. They were there to trap Jesus. If you will, they were there on official business. Hey, my high priest told me I had to come here. My high priest sent me to try to figure out who this new teacher is, who this new rabbi is, and try to see if he's teaching the truth or if he's teaching something false. You might ask the question, why would they be trying to do this? Why would they be trying to trap Jesus? I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. Wouldn't he have something spectacular to say? Well, here's the deal. Anyone who taught anything outside of what was being taught by the religious leaders was considered a threat. Oh, we don't like to be threatened, do we? We don't, we don't like to have what we know and hold dear threatened. It was a threat to their current way of life. You see, the Pharisees and the doctors of the law had put a lot of work in, and they were really good at controlling the people and making up uh, uh, traditions and all these different things that made the commandments of God of none effect, and they had the people really doing everything that they said. Otherwise, you broke the law. And here, we see these Pharisees. But here's the thing. Jesus was doing exactly what they didn't want to do. Jesus was changing the paradigm. Jesus was changing the status quo. And these religious leaders did not want this threat to get out of control. They wanted to keep it in. So they are there, just sitting by, just paying attention to see if they can entangle him in his talk. They're not involved. They're just there to judge. They are not there to repent of any sin. They are not there believing that this is Jesus, the man who claims he is God. They are not here to be convinced of anything else. Notice they are just sitting by. If you will, they're just armchair quarterbacks. Man, I'm a great armchair quarterback. I know how everything works, right? I know how, how to play it. I know how, what he should have done in that moment when 350-pound linemen are coming at you at breakneck speed. But see, here's the reality. These men are sitting by trying to tell Jesus in their own words what to do, and they're judging him. When he says something out of line, they're going to come after him, and they're going to get upset, and they're going to punch the couch, right? Because they're so angry. Armchair quarterbacks. 
If you haven't noticed yet, there's a second group. The second group we see is the men carrying the sick of the palsy. We find out from a parallel passage in Mark chapter 2 that there were actually four men. They're born of four, the Bible says. So there are four men carrying a paralyzed man. Four men carrying a paralyzed man. So for lack of a better term, the second point, the second group is the headliners. We got the sideliners and we got the headliners. The people who really are the central focus of this story. The headliners. Honestly, very little is known about these men. We know a lot about the Pharisees. Take some time. Study the Pharisees. We know a lot about them. But very little is known about these men. We understand them to be just ordinary, everyday men who had a burden to see their friend healed. They had a burden. Notice verse 18 with me. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, paralyzed. Watch this. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. They sought means. Listen, they were not just like carrying him thinking, is there a way in? Is there a way in? No, there must not be a way in and walk away. No, these guys are seeking for a way They are passionately seeking for a way to get this guy in. They're like, excuse me, sir, could you please move? We need to get in. Excuse me, sir, could you please move? Excuse me, excuse me. Hey, hey, move. Fire! They're doing everything they can possibly do to get this guy in there. Seeking means they were trying to get in any way they could. Now, put your imagination cap on for me. Okay? Imagine with me, as good Canadian people, good Canadian people, we're all gathered around, we're all in a circle, and someone starts pleading, please, I have to get through this crowd, and you look back, and there's a paralyzed man on a bed, they have to get through. Now, we're good, compassionate Canadian people, right? What would we do? We'd get out of the way, right? Isn't that, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, excuse me, we would part the Red Seas for that guy to get to where he needed to go because he's in a great need. Natural, right? We're compassionate, we have a little bit of compassion anyway. Why in the world did these guys not do that? Why in the world did these guys not get out of the way? In fact, We may have even crowd-surfed that guy up to the front of the line. Hey, let's help you out. Pick him up and just zip him across the crowd. That does not happen in this story. They wanted to get their friend to Jesus. You can be sure that these men would have begged, pleaded for people to move so that they could get this man, their friend, to Jesus. But the people who were there, as one commentator put it, formed a barrier with their bodies and with their heart. They formed a barrier with their bodies and with their hearts. Now, before we get too far into this story, I need you to notice an important point. These doctors and Pharisees were so cold-hearted to the actual needs of the people around them that they would not even make some room for a crippled man to see Jesus. Don't miss that. You can wake up again, okay? Okay? Come back in, okay? 
these people, the doctors and Pharisees, were so cold-hearted to the needs of the people that they would not, they would not let a crippled man in to see Jesus. These men were so focused on their purpose to entangle Jesus in his talk that they seemingly easily dismissed a paralyzed man. No, no, I'm here for a different purpose. You're not allowed in. No, no, I'm here for a different purpose. You're not allowed in. No, I have to hang on every word. You're not allowed in. I want you to notice a portion of this story that we could have easily passed over in verse 17. Read the whole verse with me. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Now, notice this right here. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal who? The Pharisees and the doctors. Now let me ask you a question. We don't know this, but were there any of them that were lame? Were there any of them that were paralyzed? The Bible doesn't tell us that. But the power of the Lord was present to heal them. I believe not to heal them physically, but to heal them spiritually. Jesus was prepared that day to forgive every person of their sins if they would have had faith. Don't miss that. Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Don't miss that. Jesus has the power to forgive sins, and he was ready and prepared. There are people listening to this right now that are sitting on the sidelines of their spiritual lives. Sitting on the sidelines, they don't, are, they're not actively listening. They're not actively receiving. Oh, maybe they're trying to live a good life. The Pharisees living a good life. Oh, maybe they were trying to do the right things and, and live a moral life. And maybe they were trying to be kind to people and to do nice things. They're probably a little skeptical of Jesus. But regardless... The Bible tells us that the power of the Lord was present. It was there. It was available to heal them. Jesus is present and available and ready to heal you of your sin. If you will have faith. So often we trust in our good works to get us to heaven. Oh, I'm, I live a moral life. I'm following the law, the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. I know the law. I know every detail. I, I'm living a moral life. I'm living a good life. And I'm going to trust in my works to get me to heaven. And I'm going to try to entangle this man in his talk. And they're there for a purpose. Our church shared this quote on social media this week, and I loved it. It's from A.W. Tozer. It says this, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you the most. Hear this. Don't miss this. We, when we look at the Pharisees and the doctors and the lawyers, you know what we think? Oh my word, those guys are a bunch of losers. They stink. They're terrible. Why can't they get it? Why can't they see Jesus for who he is? We think they're most, the most terrible people in the Bible. We look at them just scratching our heads. How could you do that? How could you? How could you 
crucified Jesus? How could you lead the people to crucify? We look at these people. Hear me. Jesus knew everything wrong that they did. He knew everything dirty. He knew everything sinful about them. Nonetheless, he's the one who loved them the most. Hear me. The Lord, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Two groups of people. Two different purposes. One place. Same teacher. But on top of this, not only did they push aside Jesus, they were so cold to the fact that there were other people who desperately wanted to get to them. That desperately wanted to get to him, excuse me. They were so cold to the fact that there were other people that desperately wanted to get to Jesus. In fact, they were so focused on their purpose of entangling Jesus that they actually stopped a man. They physically kept him out. Again, notice their purpose determined their action. Don't miss that. Their purpose of entangling Jesus determined the action of stopping a man from being healed. However, let's continue the story. There were four men who had a purpose, who had a burden. They were going to get this man in front of Jesus. And notice their purpose determined their action. Their purpose determined their action. There was nowhere for them to go. There was no handicap entrance. Well, that would have been convenient, wouldn't it? It would have been convenient to have a power door that opened and pushed everybody out of the way so that they could go in. There was no back entrance. There was no side entrance. There was seemingly no window. So what did they do? They went up to the roof. They went up to the roof, and they pulled back the tiles, and they lowered their paralyzed friend down right in front of Jesus. Now, can you imagine we're sitting here today and you hear something on the roof? Listen, there have been distractions in our church and you guys are terrible, let me just be honest. Like, I'm telling you, somebody gets up, everybody's like, whoa. It's okay. People get up all the time. I'm telling you, you hear something on the roof, we've had rain before, and everybody's like, wow, it's really raining. Okay, there is no doubt to me that you hear somebody peeling open the roof, and you see a man floating down, that's, that's going to be a distraction. No doubt. I was actually in one church service where they were, the preachers came through the roof. It was hilarious. It was a big youth conference. They, the actual preachers rappelled through the roof. It was awesome. It was so cool to watch. But the, it reminds me of this story. People coming through the roof. There was nowhere for them to go, so they decided they were going to do something about it. They would not stop. I love that. They would not stop. They knew that they had to get this. There, I mean, there were barriers. There were all kinds of problems. There were all kinds of difficulties. Man, things were difficult. But they found a way. They found a way. Pastor Holland said this week, it's getting difficult. It's getting really hard to help people. It's 
getting really hard to help people. Man, there was a day when we were able to help people all the time. We run our buses. We'd be able to go to people's houses, drop food off. I mean, we were able to help people like, like it was easy to help people. I don't know if you've tried to help anybody in the last little bit. It's hard. But that shouldn't stop us. That shouldn't. These men had a purpose. And I love it. Jesus sees their faith and heals the man. He says, son, thy, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Wow. Amazing. And then this group of religious people are absolutely appalled by the statement, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. They're appalled. They begin to reason among themselves, what in the world? And they begin accusing Jesus of blasphemy. They accuse Jesus of putting himself in the place of God. Notice, please, this is an important passage of Scripture to prove that Jesus was God. Because there is nobody who can heal sins outside of God. Jesus was God. Important part of this passage. But here's the deal. These religious experts cannot stop hanging on to their religiosity. They cannot stop. They're there for a purpose. And they can't stop. Jesus is God. God in the flesh. He was God in human form. And he has the power to forgive people from their sins. And he also had the power to heal physically this paralyzed man. Let's finish the story in verse 22. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that ye may know that, watch, the Son of Man hath power upon earth to what? Forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch, and go into thine house, and immediately... He rose up before them, took up that whereupon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Wonderful story. Powerful story, but let's apply. Let me ask you this question today. Which group do you belong to? Which group do you belong to? You have to be honest with yourself. Which group do you belong to? Do you, be, do you belong to the group of people that are so cold-hearted, that have a fixed purpose, that have something that they want to accomplish in their lives, and they are so cold-hearted that they don't see the needs of the people around them? Which group do you belong to? Let me ask you this question. What is your purpose here on this earth? What is your purpose here on this earth? Are you trying to fulfill your own purpose? Are you trying to do your own thing or are you trying to live for Christ? Are you trying to hang on to your own way of life? Or are you trying to live for Christ? You see, when we try to live our own way of life, we actually put up a barrier for people who are trying to get to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. When we live the lives that we want to live, the way that we want to live, then we actually put up a barrier for people who want to get to Jesus. Sometime when you have some time, go to Matthew chapter 23 and look what Jesus says about the Pharisees. 
you compass all kinds of area, sea and land, to get one proselyte. And when you convert him, you make him twofold more the child of hell. Because they're so focused on their own purpose. Maybe you are a part of that group. Let me ask you, are you trying to do everything you can to bring people to Jesus? Are you trying to do everything you can to bring people to Jesus? Let me ask you this. Are you getting creative? Listen, we as a staff, as a church, we can only be so creative. But every one of you has a creative bone in your body somewhere and you know your neighbor and you know your coworker, and you know your family member and you know how you can get creative with them and you know that there's a way do you have to go up to the rooftop maybe do you have to pop that thing open do you have to peel the shingles off maybe do you have to do some work do you have to struggle do you have to find some rope in order to get that sure you're gonna have to do all kinds of different things but the question is are you trying what's your purpose Are you working hard to bring people to Jesus? What's your purpose? Again, there was a time when serving Jesus in our church was fairly simple. We had outreach programs. We had bus programs. We had nights where we all went out inviting people together. Listen, those are great times. I love them. When's the last time we did something like that? It's very difficult to do. Right now, these opportunities are not available to us, and so we're going to have to get creative. We're going to have to try some things to get people to Jesus. Or are we just going to sit by? Are we just going to sit by and be so self-centered that we actually keep people from coming to Him? I ask you again, what's your purpose? There are people all around us all around us, paralyzed by sin. And hear me, they need to get to Jesus. Our theme this year is reaching out. Won't you reach out? People all over the place, opportunities abound like never before. Won't you reach out? If you're in the habit of writing things down, I'm asking you to write this down. Don't sit by. Find a way. To help them to Jesus. Don't sit by. Find a way to help them to Jesus. Reach out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunities that you've given us. Father, help us to see the opportunities. Where so many people see barriers, very few see the opportunity. And so, Father, would you please challenge our hearts, convict us. Father, there's so many wonderful parts of this story that if we take the time this week to study, we would see some amazing different things. But Father, for today, would you please convict our hearts? Help us to not be so concerned with our own freedoms or our own beliefs or our own will that, Father, we miss out on seeing the people who need Jesus. Father, so often we get so internally focused that we forget to reach out. Convict our hearts today. 
change us. And Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, they've never had their sins forgiven by you, then Father, I pray that today they would know that, that they would understand that. Father, we'll give you the honor and glory for it. Thank you for dying on the cross that we might know eternal life. And we pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. It's our decision time. As always, I challenge you to write something down. Maybe you just need to write down, I'm not going to sit by, I'm going to find a way to help people to Jesus. Maybe you need to write down, I've been focusing on my own purposes. Confess that. Maybe you need to write down, I need to see people in their need and reach out to them and help them get to Jesus. Maybe you need to write down, I'm deciding today to help people get to Jesus. Again, I don't know what decision you need to make, but I challenge you to make a decision before God this morning and write it down so that you'll remember it. Let's give you that time to do that right now.